Hello there, everybody. This is uh, Jeremy Levine from the Vinyl Countdown Podcast, and I wanted to make an announcement that uh, moving forward from this month on and until I decide to stop the podcast at whatever time that would be, all proceeds, all ad revenue, uh, all donations to the podcast will 100% be donated to a different charity every month. Uh, Starting with the month of June, I donated to the Equal Justice Initiative, and again, we'll continue to uh, choose a different organization each each month that I feel strongly about and, you know, trying to make a difference in any way that I can. I have this platform that I've sort of created for myself. It's not very big, but, you know, it's it's something, right? And I'm, I'm doing my best here to try to use it in the, the most helpful way that I can. So one way that you can all help out is by listening to the show or sending people my way to listen to the show, right? Because every listen equates to a certain amount of money from uh, ad revenues, which then get put into the, the wallet or whatever, and that will then go to the fund every month, okay? Uh, also, there is a donate or a support button on the website, which I will link to in the description of this episode and all episodes moving, moving forward that will allow you to contribute in three different amounts, uh, one for as little as a dollar a month, uh, $5 a month, or $10 per month. And again, all of that money, every single cent, will go to a different charity or organization every month. So um, if you can, if you can spare a dollar per month, that'd be great. If not, if you can just listen or share it, which is free, right? Uh, to all your friends, family, whoever will listen, you know, you can help out in both of those two ways. Uh, And either way, I appreciate it. And uh, all right, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Vinyl Countdown, the podcast where I, Jeremy Levine, break down my favorite vinyl releases from cover to cover and everything in between. On this week's episode, I will be tackling one of my favorite albums of all time. It's a big one. And uh, I'm also going to have help from my buddy Richie, uh, maybe better known as Midnight Agent Raw from the Super Media Bros podcast, to help me dive into Blink-182's classic self-titled album from 2003. I mean, I don't know. There's so much to say. We'll get into it, but it's, it is just an incredible album from start to finish. The, the growth that they showed, the maturity on, on the album from, uh, Enema of the State. Oh, actually, no, uh, the, the Mark Thomas and Trey, take off your, take off your pants and jacket. Sorry. I got my albums confused. Fuck. But that album was like the progression from Enema of the State to take off your pants and jacket to this it, you can it's a clear line of like i guess uh, heavier themes and more like touchy subject matter i suppose uh, more adult themes we'll we'll get into it there's a whole bunch with that but um before i get into the interview with Richie or not so the interview just the before i you know i get to the recording of me and him i want to jump into variant corner here and then next will just be us uh, bullshitting and talking about it so let's get on down to variant corner hey so there are 15 variants listed, but some are duplicates. You know, Discogs, it can be a fucking mess sometimes. So I'm just going to stick with the one that I have. And then I had written here at the time I wrote this because it's been months. Like we, we've been planning this episode since probably like, oh shit, like January or something. We just never got a chance to get around to meeting up and recording. And then um, all the quarantine shit happened like the weekend we were supposed to record I actually had Richie lined up. I had uh, my buddy Chase and some other people, uh, band in town to to interview. Like I had all this shit lined up. I had my my vinyl night event that was going to happen, and all of it got canceled <laughs> because of uh, COVID shit. So I mean, it, it's all good, man. We're, we're we're picking it back up and we're doing it now, right? So anyway, so I got the standard black. That was the one that I picked up some point last year, but then I really wanted the Hot Topic exclusive, limited to two thousand on clear vinyl with a pink and green splatter and they were they're going for like anywhere from 50 to 200 dollars which uh 50 is a good price you know and it was one of those things like i was like man that's a that's a good price but i just don't know well so i wrote in here you know update a buddy of mine on instagram uh waxy wonders that's wonders with uh two s's on the end shout out 
he posted for sale, I think for like 55 maybe. And I just, I jumped on it. Cause like the one that was for sale for 50, I waited too long. I think it sold. So the next one was at like 70 or 80. And then, like I said, it goes all the way up to 200 on Discog. So to, to get it for that price, I was just ecstatic, right? Finally got it. That was back in April when I picked that up. So, I mean, again, it looks incredible. It sounds incredible. Like it's just so, I don't know, just a, a very, just a beautiful pressing. Like some splatters can be sparse with their splattering of colors and all that. This one is very, it's it's really colorful. And, and the way the splatter is, there's a lot going on. And it's, it's, it's great. So anyway, uh, that's Variant Corners, a short one this week. Now I'm going to get on over to me and Richie's talk about the album. Cause again, it's one of my, it's my favorite Blink-182 album and one of my favorite albums period. And it's also, I think his favorite Blink-182 album as well. So I guess without further ado, here is me and Richie's talk about Blink-182 and I'll be back after the show to be my usual closing shit. So, you know, stick around. Thanks. Hey, all right. <laughs> I'm a, uh, <laughs> All right, so this is uh, Jeremy, of course, from the Vinyl Countdown podcast, and I'm here with uh, Richie. How's it going today, man? It's going. Uh, sitting in this good old sweat box of a spare room. I'm this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it'd be nice to have a, an actual studio, huh? Oh, dude, I'm telling you. And the messed up part is that this is the warmest room in the apartment. Like, every other room gets super cold, except for this one. So I don't know that I would turn this one in, into the studio because I've got boxes and stuff in here and I'm just kind of clearing it out being like, huh, this could be a great studio sitting here to record like maybe two or three episodes. And I'm like, nah, nah, <laughs> it's not even worth it. <laughs> so Gets the job done, though. It's actually it's actually pretty soundproof, like from all the boxes and stuff in here. So it's not too bad. It's like it's sacrifice comfort for like, I guess, the, you know, where I'm recording is I'm in my bedroom. And it's not too bad. Like the. The air conditioner's not running, the like the washing machine's not going, and uh, the family's across the house, so it's like, it's good. It's good enough, you know. Could be better, but it's... Yeah, and... You know, it works, I guess. Yeah, the way the apartment's set up, there's so many walls and hallways that you can go into one of the bedrooms, and it's just complete, like, you cut off from everybody else, so it's great. <laughs> Sweet. So, uh, yeah. today, I mean, uh, you, you know, but uh, we've been playing this episode for I don't know how long, uh, four or five, six months, maybe? Trying to get oh, it, yeah. <laughs> finally get it together. And then, like, the weekend, I think we were, we were supposed to record, it was like, nope, coronavirus. <laughs> so, yep. Know. Yeah, it was actually, like, the week we were supposed to get together, and they announced it, that they were just kind of be like, no, you should probably stay indoors. And both of us were just like, yep, stay indoors. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you don't have to tell me twice. But so here we are, finally, <laughs> remotely at least, but, I mean... You know, we're making, trying to make it work, right? Uh, so, oh, yeah. as you know, as well, you know, but everybody else is now finding out. Uh, we're talking about Blink-182's uh, self-titled album from 2003, Blink-182, which for me is my favorite. Uh, just hands down the best album to me from them. And uh, pretty high on your list, too, right? It, I mean, it's your, it's your pretty much go-to for them, correct? Oh, yeah. This is... This is- my favorite album by these guys by far as well, especially in the DeLong era, which it sounds so weird to say now because somebody asked me the other day, hey, what are your favorite Blink-182 albums if you have to rank them? And I was like, I know there are only two Matt Skiba released albums, but I separate them now. I'm like, okay, so Skiba era or DeLong era? Because <laughs> DeLong era, the untitled or subtitled or however, you know, whatever people are calling it, untitled, that's my favorite. So yeah, I mean, it's... Far. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've I've told you how I feel about the Skiba era, and it's not bad, but it's just like I feel like the 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 dynamic between him and Mark's voices isn't just isn't. There's not enough uh, contrast, I guess. So it's like it's Mark, and then not quite as deep sounding Mark, but still kind of sounds like Mark. <laughs> like, yeah, because I remember when um, the the California album came out, and they released "Bored to Death." I had a hard time distinguishing who was Matt and who was Mark in the vocals because they sounded yeah. so similar. But I'll be I'll be quite honest, Nine was a better album. For like, me, I've heard that quite opinion. a bit, and I haven't, I guess, uh, taken the plunge on it yet. But I feel like I I really need to. Like I need to I need to listen to it. But uh, a lot of people like I've heard that it's like I think they released a single and people weren't really like 
super high on it, but then everybody's like, no, but the whole album, listen to the album. <laughs> so, yeah, it it definitely makes sense in, in context because I I'm not gonna lie, like shoot, we did a the Super Media Bros when we did we did an episode back in oh god, I think it was like September 2019, and dude, I'm not gonna lie, I shit on the the few singles they put out completely because I was like, what is this? And then I listened to it in context with the rest of the album, and I was like, oh. I get it. It's just pretty good. So I was wrong. <laughs> it happens. Totally yeah, there's, I can't tell you how many albums I've listened to or like I've been like, oh man, I can't wait for this to come out. And then I hear it and I'm like, fuck, that was not what I was expecting. And then like five years later, I revisit <laughs> it and it's like the best album, you know, it's just, it, it happens. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, um, absolutely. So, for you know, with this record, like I said, so it came out in 03. I guess I would have been like 19 at the time. And, uh, I don't know if you remember like a lot of the like in the the music magazines like Alternative Press and I guess uh, whatever billboards whatever bullshit ones they were uh, there was some uh, talk of Blink One Eighty Two like quote unquote turning emo or something and like, I always found that super weird and just like a just a horrible miscategorization of what actual emo was especially at the time. I'm trying to think of some bands that were kind of big then, like I guess like you could say maybe Brand New or even like Good Charlotte or Simple Plan, stuff like that. And they were lumping Blink-182 into that mold sort of, but I never got that. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, dude, because I remember the hype building around this album in particular just because I, I'm sure you did too. A lot of us that were hardcore fans of the band came off the Boxcar Racer release, which was also a fucking good yes. album. And yeah. Yeah, so naturally, you know, when you know MTV News was still reliable to look at on their website, you know, they were talking about, oh, the band's, um, the band's entering uh, a house. They're renting a house or something to record and write in. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And they just, yeah, but the magazines were just trying to lump them into, you know, these subcategories. And I'm just like, no, they're, I started just kind of turning that corner of like, you know, fuck genres or whatever. I was like, these guys are a rock band and I'm pretty sure whatever they do next is going to be good. Because if you listen to like Enema of the State and then Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and then this album, it's a huge, it's like stark contrast. But you, they still retain a lot of their, you know, they still retain a lot of what brought them to the dance, so to speak. Yeah. But it was such a sonically awesome recording just all the way through and it blew me away i wasn't expecting it to be as no i mean and then the the other thing too you know i guess i never thought about this at the time but when they recorded that album uh mark was 31 and tom and travis were both 28 and all of them had had children at that point too so the idea of them still recording songs that were like talking about girls or being funny about high school and things like that it's like what else would you expect them to do you know like right. I, I don't know, they, they can't keep writing the same record over and over and over because they're just they're getting older and like experiences are changing and things like that. And then, like, you know, like I said, and it never, never made sense to me trying to box them into this one like funny pop punk group, I guess whatever they were, you know, before. But now nah, this this album yeah. just uh, it, it blew away any expectations I had for what they could do as a band. I guess to that point. Oh, absolutely. And what I liked a lot more about it is. It's because I don't know if this is necessarily holds any water, but I know that for a while, like I remember reading Tom DeLong, like having an interview in this guitar magazine. And he said something to the to the extent of it's like a mortal sin to plug my guitar into any sort of effects pedal, because it was still at that time where he was just like, no, plug it into an amplifier and distortion and blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And then it was like this album, they kind of started, you know, tearing that veil down where they were like, oh, well, we actually listened to The Police and The Cure and all these other bands that you didn't think they listened to. And it was a nice, refreshing thing. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know? I mean, you, you can, anyway, hell, even, uh, what's his name, Robert Smith's even on the record on one of the songs. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and The Cure are like collectively one of their biggest influences, like musically, not, you know, as a band, but as individuals. It's funny too, speaking of like influences and all that, like one, one thing I found via Wikipedia, you know, the most trusted source of news on the internet that, let's see, it says here, you know, I think it was talking about Tom having like a herniated disc and something going on like before the writing of this record, uh, saying that he channeled the, the, the chronic back pain and frustration and all that into the Boxcar Racer album, right? 
yeah, it was because of his posture. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen all the old shit from them. But Tom is 6'4". Yes. So, like, the fact that he had, like, that guitar strung as low as he used to wear it, man, holy shit. Like, that would have hurt <laughs> yeah, no my shit. back, too. I mean, it, it apparently <laughs> took a pretty good toll on him, you know. And then uh, they mentioned uh, Fugazi and, and Refused as, like, you know, inspirations for the Foxcar Racer album, right? And... Uh, yeah, and then like Jawbox and things like that. Yeah, it was. I liked a lot of that record. That record was, was so good. It, it's fucking incredible. It holds up so fucking good. And like they they took that and then kind of like fed off of that energy on this record. And it kind of shows when you you listen to them yes. back back to back. I'm sure you have before. It's like you can definitely hear some of the some of that heavier edge bleeding into this record. You know. So I guess oh, uh, speaking of the record, I guess we should get into track one. Yeah, because otherwise I'd talk about all the other stuff all day. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I had to stop myself really from writing like a fucking novel just about the band itself <laughs> and trying to like limit my, like just like try to keep it focused to this album because I mean, there's just so many connecting wires you can, it's, it's, it's insane, but. Yeah, you could essentially write an entire book around this one album, honestly, if you wanted to. From conception to com- completion, you could write a Pretty whole much. fucking book about it. I mean, it. I could have a whole separate podcast just about <laughs> this. Like, it, it would be, you know. But <laughs> for, oh, yeah. for simplicity's <laughs> sake, uh, <laughs> moving on to track one. So, uh, feeling this, you know, that was a. I don't think, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if it was the first song I heard. From, it may have been the first one I heard off the record. And just right away, it's like just different than what I was expecting. Right. And, uh, it's just a, right. I mean, I guess the song's about like, you know, it's a, there's one side of, I guess, the relationship, like the the raw sexual side that Tom is embodying and then Mark's kind of the more emotional side of it and all that. And there's that, you know, contrast and everything else. But I mean, what, what did you think about it? Like your first impression of this song? First impression, like first off, the idea, the, the fact that it was even called action at first, because I think they released it to like a Madden, a Madden video game or something. And it was called Action. And I was like, oh, that's a different song title for them. And then they came out and it was called Feeling This. And I was like, eh, that's more yeah. like it. And then I saw the music video. I remember um, being so excited about, oh, music video premiering. You know, I don't remember what day it was. It was on MTV, though. And I was like, okay, this is the first time I'm going to hear it. And then it comes on. And I was like, this is really different sounding. And it was cool and uh, not aggressive, aggressive. But, you know, it was a lot more straightforward and then you know once they got to like you know near the end of the song after the bridge i was like okay that's where their sound is and it was it was nice to hear just what they were working with like as a you know newer not style but like just you know kind of rebooting themselves in a way but keeping their um their past at the same time so i thought that was a pretty good representation of like hey Here's our old kind of sounding stuff, but here's some new stuff sprinkled in with it. And I love this song. It's it's impossible oh, yeah. I to mean, not sing along. I think all that 100% agree with, but like towards the like at the very end, one one part that kind of got me that I always really liked was a uh, I couldn't fully understand what he was saying until I actually read the lyrics, but when Tom's kind of screaming in the background when, when when everything's kind of going real crazy, you can barely make him out, and as it gets further and further, you know, it starts to fade out and it's just him screaming it where he's like a uh, are we alone? Do you feel it? So lost and dis- disillusioned. Yes. That line I was like, yes. fuck <laughs> me, man. Wait a minute. Is this, um, <laughs> what yeah, is yeah. going on? Blink. Are you, are you guys okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. No shit. Right. <laughs> I mean, cause like, like I said, I, I, I'd heard it for a while and I finally, like I read it and I'm like, Oh man. Okay. Whew. Let me take a step back here and reevaluate this, <laughs> this whole thing because I just wasn't expecting, I guess like, that level of writing and some of the, like just the way, not just musically, but lyrically too, a huge jump forward from before, you know? Oh, absolutely. And it's hilarious too, that you say that, you know, it's like you jump back a second and little did we know that upon purchasing the album, the, the song that's after it is fucking dark mm-hmm. sounding at hmm. first. <laughs> you know? Like the, just the guitar riff alone. Because, it just comes in as that. Shit, dude. Like just this heavy fucking thing. It's like, wait a minute. Um, again, yeah, it's like, okay, I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, Tom DeLong And it gets into a, the song itself. Yeah. <laughs> He's Man. on a baritone guitar. Yeah. And you're like, what? Uh, by the way, we're referencing track two. We're moving on. Yeah. Obvious. 
Um, Obviously. And just... It... <laughs> 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 uh, yes. My bad. <laughs> Very on the nose there, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so... I don't know. It's like the verses, you know, it's as I know you're a drummer. I'm, I pretend to be a drummer. Thomas, uh, uh, what's his name? Travis Barker's great. Uh, there's, I don't know why there's like a lot of, I feel like a lot of undue hate for him by some people, like really pretentious people in whatever, but he, he's a phenomenal drummer. Oh, like there's agree. no question, you know, but I don't know. I see like YouTube comments and I've seen things online where it's like, oh, he's not that good. Or he's he, all he's doing is this. Like they kept trying to break down everything and why he's really not that good of a drummer. It's like, fuck everybody with that. Yeah. But anyway. No, I agree. Point is, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I guess the point I'm getting to is this song is a little more subdued, like with the way he's playing throughout the, the verses and everything. And it's real sparse musically at first. And then it kind of kicks in and, uh, you know, I, I, what's the line? Tom's like, uh, you know, I, I saw you again. I know you fucked him again. It's like, it's like, whoa, whoa, yeah. okay. Yeah, and it's He's very, because uh, he says it in the, <laughs> Travis says it in the liner notes at some point. And I remember at first, whenever I first heard this, I was like, I don't see it. But then, you know, as, you know, I grew older and I listened to these, you know, bands that I'm about to mention, I realized I get it. Yes, this is true. Because he said it was kind of like a combination of the uh, the police meets Led Zeppelin meets failure. And I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> but then if you listen to the verse, or if you listen to the verses with the, uh, the rim shots or the cross sticking on the snare drum and his, you know, he's going back and forth between the hat and, you know, snare hits. That is absolutely yep. some Stuart Copeland sounding shit. And then when the chorus kicks in those big, loud, bombastic sounding drums and um, like the drum fills and shit, that, that's absolutely Zeppelin. That's absolutely John Bonham. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it's crazy pulling those types of influences and putting them all into, I guess, one song that's essentially, I guess, a pop punk song, right? Mm -hmm. But just <laughs> trickling in so much more than just that, you know? Yeah. And then, too, that the, towards the end of the song, it kind of leads up and there's that big bass drop, which I always really liked, like, especially if you hear it on like a good system or have like good headphones or whatever. I always thought that was pretty cool. So that 808 kicks on that thing. Yeah. And that, that's, that shit's pretty great. And then, you know, it kind of goes into the, uh, I guess the, uh, the the looping chorus in the song, and it's like just another great fucking song, right? Uh, I think I think he is, again, Tom has a good closing line like, uh, "How do we fix this if we never have vision or whatever?" And it's like, huh, very insightful. I like it, right? But then you know, I mean, "I Miss You" is up next, and it's a it's a good song, but it got so overplayed. Like I still like it now, but there was a time where I was like, "Man, fuck that song." I've, I've heard it about <laughs> ten thousand times. I think. I think for me, I didn't I didn't get tired of it at first, you know, because it, it definitely was overplayed. I feel like, uh, but for me, it, it, I guess at the at the at the age I was at and the shit I was you know experiencing as you know almost a you know eighteen year old because it was I was seventeen when this came out. Like it just came out right before I turned eighteen, and okay, so I guess like it was just me being like, okay, this is a a song that absolutely makes fucking sense. I mean, all of it did, but you know, for just simplistic purposes, it definitely made sense lyrically. And, you know, obviously, you know, pop culture reference to fucking Nightmare Before Christmas. And, you know, that had that. Appeal. I didn't. Yeah, it had that. Appeal I didn't catch it. that because I'd never seen it. Wait, do what? You hadn't seen it by then? I, like when I at the time of me hearing that, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I get it now. But yeah, at the time I was like, Jack, who the fuck is Jack and Sally? <laughs> I just. Yeah, I'm a fake nerd. Sorry. I've been pretending this whole time. <laughs> You fraud. No, I'm kidding. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's funny, dude. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Keep, keep going. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> but no, it, I was interesting factoid on this one that, uh, that I'm sure that you've known. It was, um, it's like the only drum loop they did on this one that Travis was uh, yes. playing on. Yeah. And I like that they just incorporated, they just wanted a song that was nothing but acoustic instruments. And I think for me, that was the big appeal to it at the time because I really loved that aspect of it. I think, I don't know, probably my favorite thing about it, which is it's been memed to death at this point, but it's really the first time I heard it that was really just like kind of hit differently, I guess. And, you know, with with Mark singing, whatever. And then, you know, Tom's big, well, like that whole, it's such a, again, just the stark contrast between Mark and Tom's voices always played so well together. And 
in this in this particular song, it was just fucking great. The way because Mark seeing he seems to even be singing deeper than normal. I don't know, like just that he's like a little bit lower in this song than than usual. Yeah, you and, know? He, and it didn't start out that way actually because um, they were showing some outtakes from there was this MTV. Uh, series where they would document the making of albums from different bands and Blink was one of them. And they were showing some of the early writing and recording sessions for the song and Mark actually was, was singing it in the same octave that Tom was and it just didn't sound right. Oh, wow. Yeah, as there's some footage of it online somewhere, but it, it just doesn't sound right. And Mark just has a deep voice naturally. So I feel like it, it fits. Yeah. And not to mention like the mood that the song creates is absolutely fitting. So... Damn, I didn't know that at all. Oh, okay. yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a very good stylistic choice then to, you know, try to bring it down some. And so like that, again, that contrast is a, is more much more stark and just like it sounds great, you know? Yeah. But um, so that one, you know, obviously huge song, gigantic. I mean, it was everywhere for God forever, it seemed like. But um, <laughs> so then, you know, moving right along, track four, Violence. Again, track name for that is just like, damn. All right, short and sweet, right? It's right, to, right to the point. But um, this was one like I always love the intro. Like it's real. Uh, I guess it's it leads into that that bigger uh, like uh, what you call it snare shit that Tom uh, not Tom but he won't say Tom Travis is doing right. Yeah, it's just like a weird sounding song too throughout the song. It's kind of dark and there's like electronic like industrial kind of shit, right? But uh, I don't know that that was a good one for me. Like first time hearing it was really surprising again just kind of where they were going musically you know yeah and i feel like i keep using the term or i've used the term aggressive a couple times here but honestly when i first listened full through and i got past obvious and then i miss you popped up and it was like oh that's nice and it's sweet and it's a soft you know ballady song and then violence starts when tom just comes in playing that real fucked up bent uh b power chord you know, and the way the drum stabs with everything were coming in on the intro and then they kick into the verses and they're spoken word voices with a lot of hiss in the background and you yes. know, like a, a, a click track beat with, you know, um, the, the um, well, there's the percussion instrument that I can't think of. And I know I'm going to, I know I'm going to fuck this up is a, a clave. That's it. <laughs> it had like a, a clave bell hitting. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And then they jump into the chorus and it's just fucking loud. You know what I mean? Like, it's just in your face. And like, if you have headphones on, it it, it feels like it just fills the whole room up. It's amazing. I love this song so much. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and again, like sticking with the the song itself, like throughout the verses sound really dark and, and grim. And again, like the, the spoken word sort of thing. It, it's really cool how you play that. But then just the lyrics themselves, like, you know, I think in the second verse, Tom says like, uh, uh, one drink in the uh, she kills with no life to spare, just victims are left to bleed. Uh, one drink in the pain goes down. Soft shadows lay by her feet. Lay soft as you slowly drown. Lay soft, lay still while you fall asleep. It's like then that little kind of ghostly. I think Mark uh, in the background is like fall asleep. And yeah, like, like it's just it's fucking great. <laughs> yeah, like, like the, I don't know. Can't say I can't say enough about it. Right. Yeah, like the nuances are so well done. Every song has its own little special like not not easter egg but it's got its own special little you know piece of like oh my god that was cool like if you have headphones on you'll hear everything that we're talking about honestly <laughs> so almost definitely like I, I've, I've listened to it with like the headphones i used to record and uh it picks up there's so much little shit and, e- and even on vinyl too like it there's a lot of shit that kind of picks out there and the pressing's like it's done really fucking good because it's like uh there's stuff i hadn't really picked up on after you know 15 years of listening to it and then listening or even 15, longer than 15 years but you know listening on vinyl and then listening with headphones and like there's still things to pick out it's like holy shit like they really layered it extremely well throughout the record right and it all holds up well too oh yeah yeah i mean that's one thing i i, I really it's really awesome about them uh because some bands even as new as this, like 01, 02, 03, you listen to some of the stuff now, and it's just like, ooh, boy, that is cringy. Right. Like, just doesn't hold up well with today's, like, social climate, I guess, right? Yeah. <laughs> some even as recent as, like, 2010. It's just, like, not even that long ago, but it seems like, ooh, boy, that wouldn't fly today, 
But no. on this record, like the way that it's written lyrically and everything else, like there's nothing on here that I could find even now where I'm like, oh man, that that like into like today it probably wouldn't have wouldn't have recorded that line that way or something like that. But like it all still is it's fucking timeless, you know. Oh, I agree, a hundred percent. Great song, right? And um, let's see. So what's the next one? Uh, Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah, because it has that um that little interlude between which I think me and you were talking about this uh, the other day about uh, what, what was the terminology? How like they had like the hidden tracks, but this was kind of like this weird, like if you skip, it was like the pre gap or whatever it is, right? The negative space. Yeah. Because if you skip from, if you skip, you know, from violence straight to Stockholm syndrome, you won't get that. You won't get like the uh, letter that, gets read before the song starts. Cause it even has like a little, yep. like a negative counter that counts, you know, up to zero and then starts the song. Yeah. So that's like a little treat for people that just listen straight through. It's pretty awesome. Like, like I said, like if you were, if you just skip to the next track, like you totally missed out on that. And that's a, uh, for the, for the listeners who don't know that, uh, the letter that's getting read is, uh, it's a letter from, I think, uh, Mark's grandfather sent his grandmother during world war two. Yes. Uh, so it's not depressing at all, in case you're wondering. It's super happy and upbeat. Okay. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is it is really, again, to the point of like kind of growing up and I guess they're maturing and some of the song, uh, the subject matter is really heavy and like the way and it's just I wasn't expecting this either, I guess. I mean, I'm going to say that a lot throughout the episode because I guess there's a lot of songs I was like, holy shit, this is not what I was looking for. Like I wasn't expecting this to be like this, but it was just so good. But um, you know, then right in the Stockholm Syndrome, which is um one of my favorites on the record, like it's top five, I think for me. Me too, because the song, yeah, because the song was like about paranoia and you know just that feeling of hearing voices in your head and shit like that. And then I, one thing yeah. I've noticed, and I don't, I, I'm sure you may have, but one thing I noticed about this song than the other ones is if you listen to it it's actually mixed louder than the other songs on this album. Really? Yes. Like I, I've listened to it the whole, like we both have listened to this album front to back several times, but I noticed that whenever I keep a, like I keep a numbered volume on, like if I'm in my car or on my, like have a, uh, headphones in or whatever, like every song, you know, there's like a threshold that I'm like, okay, that's loud enough. Yeah. And then this song happens and it's just a little bit louder. I have to turn the volume down like a little bit. And I'm like, that's so cool. I wonder if they, you know, that was an accident or if they were just like, no, this needs to be played freaking loud. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, don't turn, don't, don't turn it down, man. Don't, don't be a baby. That's Crank what I'm that saying. Like, no, I had to dial it back like one so I don't blow my speakers out. Because <laughs> other than that, I'd be like, no, <laughs> let it go. <laughs> let it go. <laughs> so. I mean, again, so keeping, in in line with all the dark shit and you know again how just whatever depressing this fucking album can be i mean uh you know one of the verses mark sings uh you know i'm so lost i'm barely here i wish i could explain myself but words escape me it's too late to save me you're too late you're too late it's like man i mean we've all been there right oh yeah and (laughs) it's dude like again you don't realize like what kind of emotions are going to come out like until you read these fucking lyrics and you, and you hear it in their voices. Sometimes you're like, Oh my, you know, like, oof, it's just like the subject matter it, itself. Cause you were reading that, that one. Um, Oh God, what's the, what's the line in the song? Um, you're cold with disappointment while I'm drowning in the next room. The last contagious victim of this plague between us. It's like, what? <laughs> like Mark. Yeah. Mark is and this is proof positive. Like if you've listened, you know, people out there also have listened to plus 44. Mark is very well like written lyrically. He's, he's got a lot of, I would say like thought provoking lyrics, but the way he expresses certain feelings, you know what I mean? Like it's not cryptic, but it's not straightforward either. It's, he's very well spoken and very well written. So, yeah, I I get that. Like, I I guess, you know, they had the reputation of being the fun, funny fart, dick joke band or whatever but when you hear him even and both of them all, all three of them really i guess when you hear him in interviews and just kind of outside of the mold of blink 182 they're all really smart guys oh absolutely like it's um yeah i, I guess you know it's kind of cool to see that they're not they didn't keep themselves bound to that one style of whatever right like they kind of broke through and broke away from it somewhat and still kept the core thing like musically and whatever else that kept them blink but then you know progressed in such a way that was that seemed 
like a, a logical progression to the next step, you know? Yeah, it was a natural feel. Yes. So let's see. Number seven, uh, Down, which um, good song. I like it. I always hated playing it on Rock Band because it was really fucking hard <laughs> on drums. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, it's one of those weird things where I feel like it was super over over uh, charted, like the drum chart that they've built for the game was just like actually more complicated than playing it on real drums yeah i've noticed that too <laughs> yeah I, I never understood when like they, it's a few songs like that where i've played them on both i'm like holy fucking shit how can i play this on regular drums with little like it's it's it takes some effort or whatever but on the game i can barely get through it like like they're throwing way too much shit in there <laughs> yeah exactly and you know not to go like on a giant sidetrack but I, I have noticed that about rock band that a lot of people that play actual drums i tell people like if you can play this song on like a real drum kit go ahead and choose the expert mode on there because nine times out of ten they're putting all like the ghost notes and the extra licks that you know how to play on the drums in there so just do it <laughs> and it's oh yeah but yeah i mean they they do a really good job sometimes of like of charting everything and like that's actually what helped me start to play real drums was work, working my way up to expert and playing well on rock band and I just kind of translated that to a real kit. You know, it's not the same, exactly the same, obviously. But I mean, it's it's close enough as far as like the timing aspect, I guess, and the rhythm part of it to where you can kind of figure it out from there, you know? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing because I know uh, I get Guitar Hero is a little bit the same way, too, because uh, it, it shows you like timing as far as like when to like if you if you can play solo, like if you can play like lead guitar solos and shit, it, it kind of helps you nail down you know, if you're playing certain notes on like the one and three or the two and four or just in between those spaces, you know, I, I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're throwing down, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, this, this, this so album, I don't know this. Yeah. I'll, oh, I'm sorry. I, what, cut you off. I was going to say this song, like it's, it's a, it's a good song and everything. I just don't um fully understand what it's about. I guess I never really was like, never got too much of a real deep, like, you know, ah, oh, man, that makes me feel sad or whatever <laughs> from well, this I, song. is a good song. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty... I think, lyrically, this is the most straightforward one on the whole album. Yeah. Uh, Tom literally was just like, yeah, I was just picturing this guy and this girl sitting in a car, uh, and he's really nervous about wanting to kiss her and, you know, you know keep her there as long as he can because it's raining outside and all this other shit. And I'm like, I get it. That's, you know, pretty straightforward, but, you know, it is what it is. It's it's not a terrible song at all. Like none of no. these songs are terrible at all, but comparatively to the rest, it's it's pretty simplistic, you know, in in, in that yes. sort of mindset. It's very simplistic, which is nothing wrong with that, but you know, it you know, it is what it is. <laughs> no. I mean, it leads into the the fallen interlude which when heard through headphones or a good sound system like that fucking baseline is great. Like that oh. whole that whole beat is tight as fuck. It slaps. <laughs> oh yeah. As the kids are saying these days, right? Yeah. I was going to say, or as I like to say, this song fucks. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> I, man, what did I say? Not slaps. There's something else. Um, there's some other fucking words. I, I, I'm, I'm still getting down it, with all the a, new lingo and shit. Oh, what is it? It's a bang. It's a bop. It's a banger. What is it? You know? Banger. That, that's mine. That, that's my big one. That's there, what I use quite a bit. There you go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so again, that's an instrumental you know, interlude, which I don't know, man. It, it's, it's tough, but... I want to say "Go" is my favorite on the record. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can, I can see that. I, I don't know. It, it's just again, it's just it, it's such a departure from lyrically, especially from anything else. I mean, they, they do talk about there is some family shit on like "Stay Together for the Kids," right? They touch on it, I think, ever so slightly in, in even on "Intimate of the Intimate of the State" or whatever. There's, a song, I, mean, I can't remember what song. That I'm sure it's like it's mentioned, or there's some sort of like thematic element that is in regard to that right but here it just like lays it flat out pretty much where it's just like you know the, the, the whole part with you know mom you know is getting the car and let's drive away she said i'm sorry mark there's nowhere to stay gave up all her hope and went back inside hit her broken heart and let the engine die it's like oh ugh. yeah ugh. yeah this this is um this is one of those instances of have you seen the meme that's going around where it's like it I don't know. It, there's a few different subjects on it, or there's a few different images of it where like one is this really nice looking house and it says the music and then it's the same house, but then it's all fucked up and just decrepit looking. And it says the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> and then it says pumped up kicks right next to it. Like, oh yeah, that's this song, dude. Cause this like, just like man overboard, the song, like the music is like, yeah, yeah. And then the lyrics are just like, yeah. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> so. Yeah. Speaking of that, that dynamic, you know, uh, uh, I mentioned it a lot on the show, but motion, motion city soundtrack is like, they're fucking masters of doing that. Like they sound so upbeat and, you know, synthy and whatever, but then you, <laughs> you read the lyrics and it's like, Oh man, my heart, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those instances of why am I smiling with, with this song playing right now? <laughs> Yeah, which is, I mentioned it too, because I don't know if you know this, but Mark actually produced their second album, Commit This to Memory. Yes, I did. And uh, yeah, and he's, you know, guest vocaled on, uh, I think the track Hangman as well. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of makes sense too, I guess, in the production of that record. And then you look forward to this record and it's like, there's some similarities there, you know, or a lot really, I guess. But yeah, I don't know, man. This is one of the songs, it, it, if if I'm in the right or I guess the wrong mood, it can really fucking bring me down. yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how this whole album is for me, honestly. As good as it is and as much as I love listening to it, it's like, oh, I need to be in like I need to be in a particular mood to do the whole thing. It's like a roller coaster ride. And yes, that was a take off your pants and jacket reference. <laughs> so, <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah. Fun fact, top three on that record for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a good song, I mean, man. That's a damn good song. It's it's pretty great. Like, but uh real quick, go back to this song. I, another you know, just to keep the depressing train going. The whole, you know, why, why do evil why do evil men get away with it? Uh, can't you see that I'm in a world of shit? Turn your back on hope and go back inside. Stop my bleeding heart and let the engine die. Like it's just, ah, boy, not great. <laughs> no, that's that's just giving up. You know, which yeah, coincidentally I mean, bleeding into the next song is that's the same theme is a little bit continuous, but like different subject matter in a sense. So. Yeah, you know, it's this about like isolation and and contemplating loneliness and that whole, you know, which I can see could definitely, you know, as if you're you're a child in the middle of a house of abuse or whatever like that, you know, you definitely feel like that, I'm sure, you know. Yeah. I I mean, this one, uh, this is another one too, man. Just reading the lyrics for it as a, there's just so many instances of like, oh, God damn. Yeah. (laughs) Asthenia? Yeah, dude. It, oof. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's weird, too, because, like, not, you know, getting into the lyrics of it just yet on my end, but hearing this song, it, you get not, not not the music itself, but just the intro vibe with, like, all the, uh, the NASA transmissions and things like that. That is absolutely, like, to me, the very stark beginnings of Angels and Airwaves. Just a little bit. Ooh, okay. Okay. We're uh, connecting some dots here. Yeah, as I said, because if you listen to We Don't Need to Whisper, there's some instances in the very beginning when it's um, it's Tom and I want to say uh, either their producer or David Kennedy like talking back and forth. But it sounds like it sounds like Mission Control um, feedback and uh, and you know dialogue between the two of them on like a launch or something like that. So that's kind of the vibes I got like uh, after having heard that album and then coming back and re-listening to this. But yeah, lyrically, it's fucking weird just because Tom was writing from the mindset of, oh, there's this astronaut just kind of floating above Earth and contemplating coming back and whether or not that would make a whole difference on humanity itself. I'm just like, what, dude? <laughs> like, that's that's where the painkillers were. So Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Like, it, it's... I, I guess I never drew the parallel between this song and Angels and Airways, but I mean, that's a very, I think, a valid comparison, you know? Yeah. Connecting the dots here. That's what we do on the vinyl countdown, right? <laughs> I mean, so let's see. Lyrically, um, again, like I said, isolation, everything. It's kind of, there's themes of that. And like, I think I always like when, when Tom's saying like, I, I wrote a reminder. This wasn't a vision. This time, where are you, Houston? Is somebody out there? Will somebody listen? Then the whole, should I go back? Should I go back? Should I? I feel alone and tired. Like, it's just, it's fucking great. This is instantly just like sing. You can sing along to it, and like every single time I'm in the car screaming and shit, and just like you know, it's it's pretty great. Yeah. Oh, dude, and I forgot to bring this up because you like speaking of screaming. I forgot to bring this up earlier whenever we were talking about um, Stockholm syndrome. If Tom DeLonge 
on his parts in that song would have had some screaming going on in those with the same, you know, notes and everything. That would have been a whole different dynamic for that song too. Cause it's the only blink oh, song yeah. that I've listened to that I'm like, that would sound cool with some fucking like scream, like, you know, hardcore, like screaming in the back or like screaming on like, <laughs> front street there. It's like, man, hell yeah. But no, I agree with you on, on this one, Estania dude. Uh, and this is just the, the music nerd in me coming out. I, I really enjoy the, uh, six, four time drum break in the bridge. It's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was, uh, that actually reminds me speaking of screaming, uh, I, I was reading something about going back to feeling this real quick. The the part in the break when Tom's, it sounds like he's like across a room and it's real kind of strained and kind of distant sounding. Yeah. It's because, you know, he screamed it from across the room. <laughs> yeah. It was in like this giant, like 30 foot long room. And then they set the microphone yeah. like 10 or 15 feet away from him. And he was just yelling it like in the room. I always thought that was a pretty cool effect. You yeah. Know, it comes across really strained and just like, fucking raw right yeah 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 but so let's see i, I would i don't know i guess not really speaking of raw but getting into the next track uh always is kind of one of the more i guess quote-unquote blink sounding songs on the record real upbeat real just it feels like it could have fit in somewhere into take off your pants and jacket i think mm, but uh still is a very very good song but musically it wasn't off the rails like some of the other stuff was here you know yeah it's very 80s and i like that it's, yes it's very very 80s sounding song and uh i don't know man it's it's really strange it's weird to place this song i don't know i couldn't i couldn't put it on take off your pants and jacket maybe if you took the keyboard elements out of it but if you did that yeah. it wouldn't make the song because i feel like the all of that shit is exactly what makes this song and whenever they first whenever i first heard it and i heard oh this is 80s i'm like <laughs> No, it's not, you know, because I pictured that exact production style from the 1980s, how there was like compressed shit. And, you know, I was expecting like electronic drums. But, you know, again, the more older I got. Yeah, it is. It is very much an 80s sounding song. But I think that's the charm of this one. And this is one of my favorite ones on this album. You know, a lot of people didn't really care for it, but I fucking love this one. And I think that's because I like the 80s a lot. (laughs) But I, I was I'm definitely on board with like it's I always thought it was a fucking great song. I never really understood the yeah, kind of the not necessarily the hate, but the lack of like people were kind of like, oh, yeah, it's a good song, I guess. But it kind of got shuffled away. But it, I don't know. I always thought it was fucking great. Yeah. I feel like people didn't appreciate this one as much. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, too, uh, Travis's drumming throughout is pretty fucking good, too. Oh, it's solid as hell, man. It's not overplayed. In fact, like the 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 pre-chorus out of the second verse when he's doing all that really cool shit, you know, with or actually he does it in both of the pre-courses. I'm sorry. Like when he does all that really cool shit with the, uh, the cymbal choking and, you know, the drum fills between where you wouldn't even think to put them. I think that's just a testament to the way he thinks outside of the box with certain shit. Agreed. It, it just blows my mind. All right. So I'm going to, we're going to move on to easy target track 12. And this is one. I don't know, man. Like, I like it, but I, if I had to pick a least favorite, which is not not sad only the song, but I mean, if you're gonna rank them, like, it, one song has to be last, right? I think I would put this one as last for me. I'm not sure how. What, what do you think about it? Honestly, dude, uh, I feel like this is an underrated track, and I don't mean it lyrically because lyrically, again, it's pretty damn straightforward. I mean, they wrote this song about a dude or a friend of theirs that told a story about trying to go meet this chick, and they fucking pranked this guy and as soon as he showed up on his bike they sprayed him with a water hose and sent his ass packing so that's pretty fucking funny but (laughs) the way they record yeah exactly dude like the way they recorded this song though i i i think i have to give it props just simply on production because uh, travis did like several different drum tracks for this one like he did one where it was just the snare drum and then he came back with the snare roll and then he came back with the hats and then he came back with a rhythm uh, a rhythm a ribbon crasher that's what it's called a ribbon crasher it's a percussive instrument and it's just like just the little nuances that he did just to you know beef up the song and just make it a little different on the drums i enjoyed but if you're looking at it from an altogether perspective yeah you could definitely put it last but i still think it's a little bit of an underrated track just production value wise so it's not my favorite on the album i will say that though <laughs> so. i respect that I, I could see that from a, a technical standpoint how how good it is you know yeah yeah i was gonna say without the outro you couldn't have the next song so that is true yeah that uh that next song is All of This featuring Robert Smith of The Cure, which uh, fucking awesome. 
Um, dare I say my second favorite track on this one? The solid choice. Yeah, it, it is my absolute. This is this is second only to my first favorite on this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> which what, have we talked about your first favorite yet, or, or are, we, oh, are no. we getting there? Oh no, we're getting there. Oh fuck. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's funny. I read that this song was. It, if they if they hadn't taken their hiatus, this would have been the fourth single from this record, and M Night Shyamalan would have directed the video. <laughs> That's interesting. So there, there's that. He he says a quote. I love this song. Almost did a video for this. It would have been about vampires. <laughs> oh, I can see that. And I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, I mean, did you say fourth single? Uh, they said it would have been their fourth single. Would have been but, man. Oh, I guess I guess they didn't count. I don't know. They must not have counted always then, because which is really weird. Because I always thought that was their fourth one. So I don't know. Maybe I'm losing my mind. <laughs> well, no, yeah, no. So you said here that that always was their fourth <gasps> oh, single. Like, so I, I, okay, yeah, I got you. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking differently. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. This song is great. Like it's it's a uh, especially too at this time. It's gonna sound fucking stupid. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a connection from Blink One Eighty Two to The Cure to Thursday, and it's gonna make sense. So just bear with me. All right. <laughs> I'm all ears. Uh, so in '03 when this came out, right, uh, the World of Time Thursday's third album had just come out, and that was when I first got into them, first heard them, and everything. So I read some one-off comment in in an alternative press about how Jeff Rickley sounds like a pissed off Robert Smith. <laughs> <laughs> Which then prompted me to dive more into the cure than I had before. And then this came out with him, and they're more angry than they were before. And it all just kind of made sense, I guess. At 19 years old, I was like, fuck, this is just incredible, right? Like, kind of, I don't know, drawing a line from Thursday to Blink 182 with the cure in the middle somehow. And it all kind of worked. But <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tried to, I tried, <laughs> tried to make it make sense, I guess. Right. But, <laughs> you know, I liked, um, when they when they toured this album uh, and they went to the UK, uh, Robert actually would come out and do this with them live. Damn. Yeah, I always thought that was cool. That's 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 pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, just have like a big influence on them, and just like you get to meet, you know, you get to meet one of your fucking heroes. Like that's pretty sweet. And then let alone have a, a song with them on a great album, and then play this song live because the way they recorded it from what I was reading is they, they did it over uh, four studios in two separate countries. And like they recorded, uh, they recorded just the bass and snare drum. And then Travis came back in and then recorded the drum fills, but recorded the cymbals separately, which Damn. is, re- yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, that's a lot of moving uh, parts. <laughs> it is, but he, they were talking about how it um, gave the sound they were looking for. So, it fucking worked. Whatever the hell they were doing or thinking, it it fucking worked. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah, no, I mean it's yeah they 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 got a they got a pretty good handle on it. It seems like. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think I think lyrically this is one of my favorites on the album, which is you know like like I said this is my second favorite song on the album, but goddamn it's it, it's all of it you know rolled into one. The atmosphere, the writing, the lyrics, everything about it was just very well done. I agree. And yeah, like you said, it, it moves. I mean, they all they all flow very well with each other. But the next song, Here's Your Letter, track 14. Oh, boy. So I kind of I, I think I want to rescind my original uh, favorite. Go is going to be put at second. I'm, oh, man, it's hard. But this song may be my favorite. Maybe it's definitely up there. It's a good one. This this is my third. This is my third one. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Like it, it's it was it, this is one of those songs, honestly, that at the time I, I listened to it and I heard it and it was cool. But then I just sort of file it away as like, it's a good song, but I never, I don't know, man, I guess I didn't like dive super deep into it and just almost dismissed it as like, oh, it's a good song. But yeah, let's get to the last track, right? (laughs) And this over the years and going through things and relationships and just anything that can be shitty and then listening to it now and then some of the stuff, you know, uh, oh man, just, I love in the chorus, you know, the, the fuck I can't let this kill me, let go. Like, it's just, you could literally apply that to anything, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know. I, I always just, I love it. I love the song. That's, that's my take on it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And I always, I always go back to Mark Hoppus's lyrics in, in the bridges of songs. I feel it's so strange because that's where he does like his best lyrical work. Not that it sucks ever, but his the bridges of all the songs he writes are so fucking good. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, speaking of the bridge, so yeah, he says, uh, "I'm talking to the ceiling. My life just lost all meaning. 
Do one thing for me tonight. I'm dying in the silence. The last star left in heaven is falling down to earth. And do you feel? Do you still feel the same way? Do you still feel the same way? Then Travis is. It's just it's a. Then he comes back with the fuck. I can't let this. That whole part right there, like as it leads up to that part of the song and goes to the bridge and that last chorus, like oh man, it's it's something. <laughs> yeah, and again, it goes back to it's one of those you know those bands that are just not known for ever having any lead guitar. They can destroy the hell out of a bridge of a song in a very good way. They're so good at you know they're so good at filling the space and just making use of it. And I just I love it lyrically, sonically speaking. This is this is a great fucking song. Again, it's like my third favorite. But holy shit, it's a it's a definite emotional ride to say the least. Yeah, I, another one. I mean, I like most of the songs in this record, but this one especially. If I'm in the wrong mood, it can really like choke me up it's like oh okay gotta turn that off now yep (laughs) so then you know the closer i'm lost without you this is my favorite (laughs) (laughs) i was like god damn we're to the end of the album it's got to be coming up soon (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. this one's my favorite (laughs) um i want to say this is the longest on the record right it's like six minutes long or, or maybe even a little longer yeah it's a little over six six yeah like six minutes 21 seconds so it's a it's a long song especially for blink 182 because again at the time, I don't think, I mean, they weren't making songs like this, like five, six minute, like these kind of epic songs, you know? Yeah, uh, I want to say Adam's song at, w- at one point, I think, was the longest one that they had done up until this. I could be wrong, but. And that's what, like four minutes, maybe? Yeah. Four, ten, something like that. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's, again, huge step, kind of a risk, really. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, what, what is what is it for this song? Like, what is what makes this your favorite song? Honestly, I think because the like lyrically again i keep going back to lyrics but just i am a sucker for songs like this and if you've listened to dogs eating dogs uh pretty little girl i'm a sucker for <laughs> guy loves girl guy is love lauren after girl like i'm a sucker for that shit like it's not even a guilty pleasure i am just a straight up sucker for that shit and <laughs> the fact that the, the there's fucking you know lyrics in here he's like are you afraid of being alone you know because i'm lost without you i you know because i am you know afraid of being alone and you know it's just it's not like oh i am codependent but it's like you have found somebody that is that um compliment to you as a person and you know just that feeling of completeness having this person in your life and i think one of the lyrics in here was in the second verse it just it was very it was very like dream state like if you go and listen to this song and there's like this little keyboard kind of um little not a quick arpeggiation but it's just a little keyboard like that do 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 like it's it's very like close your eyes it's a very dream state sounding song and i'm trying to find the lyric to it because yeah i'll leave my room open till sunrise for you i'll keep my eyes patiently focused on you where are you now? I can hear footsteps. I'm dreaming. And if you will keep me from waking to believe this, it's like, it's absolutely like a song about being full blown ass in love. And I think the <laughs> musical accompaniment to it is just, it's gorgeous for this band because it's definitely not like oh, yeah. any of their other fucking songs. No. And like of all the departures they made on this record in particular, like this was the biggest departure, you know, like this dreamy, just, I don't know, man, just this fucking landscape they lay out musically and just didn't even know or i guess think they they were capable of that you know yeah originally the chorus of the song was actually supposed to be the verses and there was going to be no chorus to it oh wow yeah that's strange to think it that way but they worked on this song for a whole half year before they actually finalized how how we hear it now so i mean really that would have been shit that would have been fucking heavy as shit (laughs) yeah just no context just chorus and that's it Yes. Are you afraid of being alone? Because I am. I'm lost without you. Are, are you afraid of leaving tonight? Because I am. I'm lost without you. Just saying that and then just like music and nothing. And then just coming back with, are you afraid? Like, yeah, that would be um, be rough <laughs> for, for sure. Like, That's what I'm saying, man. It's, it's you know, I didn't mean to cut you off a while ago, by the way. It was just, it's like, man, this is, I forgot to drop that, <laughs> that little factoid about how they wrote this. I was like, holy shit. That's, I've spent time writing music myself, you know, and that that's, you can tell they put a lot of work into this one, so. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect closer to an ultimately perfect album, right? I mean, it's uh, my arbitrary rating uh, scale. It's 5 out of 5, 10 out of 5, whatever the fuck. Like, it's perfect from start to finish. I mean, there's not a single song to me that feels like a filler track. I mean, it just, 
I don't know. Like everything seems to have a purpose and everything fits where it does like so well. Like it's just is a just a wonderful, wonderful album. And I mean, yeah, I think it deserves it deserves the praise that we're giving it. Like hundred percent. Oh, it absolutely does. Honestly, um, and funny enough, because it does make sense front to back. There's no song that needed to be left off of this album. Although, ironically, um, if you bought the, I want to say it was like the Japanese release. It's either the Japanese or the uh, Europe release that they actually had put "Not Now" as the last song on this one, but it was a bonus track. Yeah, actually, I'm I'm looking on Song Genius right now, and they actually uh they haven't listed that way as being the um. The, the last song or whatever. Yeah. I didn't know if you wanted to talk about that one or not. I was just kind of bringing it up just in case. So, you know, actually, I don't think I've ever heard this song. Really? I mean, hey, talk about it. Talk away, man. I, I'm here to listen because I, I really don't know it. Oh, like, God. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um, Funny enough, I didn't hear this one until they put. OK, so Blink broke up after this album and Geffen. I think it was Geffen Records they were signed to at the time. They were like, OK, well, we have. Uh, one you owe us one more album so Blink was like okay just put a greatest hits album out so they did and Geffen put out the Blink-182 greatest hits album and the two additional tracks they'd put on there was their cover of Another Girl Another Planet which was used on the Meet the Barkers uh, series or whatever that Travis was doing and Not Now was the European or UK or Japan release or something but it was always as a bonus track in the States and they put out a video for it, but the video was just kind of a compilation of, you know, behind the scenes, backstage stuff, you know, just random footage of the band. But the song itself is pretty, I, I wouldn't have used it as the closer because I thought I'm lost without you was a good enough closer and perfect to be honest. Oh yeah. But no. not now is a Tom DeLonge written track and it's, um, it's about, leaving like it's about he's dying and he's trying to fucking tell his girlfriend he's dying and that he loves her and shit it's a fucking great song and it's another one of those songs that is hey the song the music is great but the lyrics are very depressing and it's like he's dying but he'll be right there waiting when she you know meets him after death and it's like whoa man like (laughs) where where is this coming from you know because the the chorus is uh please stay until i'm gone i'm here hold on to me i'm right here waiting and just oh god dude it's it's another one of those it precedes ghost on the dance floor a little bit but not as dark as ghost on the dance floor was so that's a that's a dark one and <laughs> yeah i actually i just put it on my list here because i need to listen to it i've always like said I never, i've never actually heard it so that's gonna have some homework tonight <laughs> yeah it's it's a fun listen dude honestly um I think I would have, I take it back, I would have probably included it on the initial release, but it wouldn't have been last. In fact, the way the yeah. song sounds, the the intro kind of has that weird uh, space sound, so it probably could have come after um, Asthenia, honestly. It could have come after Asthenia or before it, maybe. So I, I mean, that's that. probably I mean, where I would have put it. I guess I'll say I can see that, I've never heard it, but... J- judging by the way you described it, that seems like a good place for it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and, and it's a it's an up tempo song too. So, and you can tell they definitely recorded this during the recording of this album because the production quality is pretty. Uh, it's pretty accurate and it's pretty. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consistent. It's pretty consistent with what they were doing on the other tracks. Nice. Well, so I guess um, with that, that's it, man. That's the album. You know, I guess uh, let's get a real quick a, a final ranking. Just say like uh, one through five, you know, if if you can. Top five. Okay. Well, obviously, yeah. uh, I'm Lost Without You is my number one. And then all of this was two. And Here's Your Letter was three for me. Four is violence just because of the sheer just aggressive nature of that one. And just the, you know, it just blew me away the first time I ever heard it. And I think uh, five is Stockholm Syndrome, which it's not even like it's, you know, it's low because any other reason than like I just like the other songs a little bit more but Stockholm Syndrome is just fucking awesome and a lot of these are just deep cuts on the album it's not even like full-blown ass singles for me that are the top five. Oh yeah no and that's yeah I was gonna say like I don't know man my top five almost mirrors yours where <laughs> like Stockholm Syndrome would be number five right yeah I think I put obvious at number four three is kind of hard I know number one I'm gonna go ahead and put number one here's your letter oh not here's your letter oh yeah here's your letter number one right go would be number two for me three is like i don't know man it's i want to say violence because that's one that I've, I've revisited a lot but then as 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 athenia or whatever is another one it's like 
I'm just gonna tie him because <laughs> I'm um it's you know it's my show so who gives a fuck I'm just gonna make a tie tie for third right so there you go <laughs> I'm gonna have two but it's it's so hard right because outside of the top three honestly like four through fucking fifteen could be any order at any given time oh I agree a hundred percent because. This album is very much dependent on mood for me. Yes. You know, sometimes the mood dictates that, hell, I don't know, feeling this might be number one. Or, you know, you're in a mood where, ah, okay, you know, all of this is kind of the one or just, I don't know. It just, it, it's up and down and, again, cannot say enough about it. I mean, we've already gone for over an hour about how great it is and I could definitely go for another, like, five hours. <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, shit, I could do an entire episode on just Blink-182's discography and be here all day. Oh, I mean, it, yeah, no question. Like, <laughs> they, you know, like I've said before, like, they kind of, especially with this album, but even they, they dipped their toes in, into more mature themes, I guess, before. But it's like they were always sort of written off as, like, the funny, fun group, whatever. But then when they got serious, it's like, oh, man, they're so serious now. What is this? But they always kind of had that underlying just a bit like and then it finally just broke through on this record. You know, it, it was just perfect. Just to say nothing else about it. It was absolutely perfect. I agree. 100 percent on that. So I guess with that, man, I'm going to let you go. My uh, my headphones actually uh, dying. So, oh, no. <laughs> like I said, we got a uh, uh, shit over an hour now. I mean, e- even with editing down, it's going to be a good episode. But, you know, I'm really excited to, to get it out there to the people. Finally, it's been in, in the books for so long. <laughs> oh, I know. We've been planning this for so long. I'm, I'm excited we finally got to do it. So so uh, let's see. Today, I've got a couple of more. So it, it won't be this Thursday, but actually, I think it'll be next Thursday that it's going to go up. So it's going to be another week and a half or so. But, you know, it, it'll be worth, uh, worth the wait, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. With that, man, I will uh, talk to you later. I'm going to get out of here and start doing some, some parenting things, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... Go catch up on some books. I actually just um I actually just bought um Jurassic Park because I fucking I, sweet. Yeah, I had a copy of it for God forever ago, and it got lost during a couple of the moves. You know, like from you know my old apartment to my trailer, from my trailer to my new apartment. And I was just like, well, eh, guess I'll rebuy it. <laughs> so I'm gonna go finish that <laughs> probably like a big ass nerd. All right, so that was my uh, conversation with uh, Richie or Midnight Agent Raw or whatever you want to call him from the Super Media Brothers podcast. I mean, it was pretty great getting to talk to somebody else who has the same appreciation level for this al- for this album that I do. And uh, just always fun to talk to him anyway, just because, you know, it's my boy. But, um, you know, check out uh, Super Media Bros podcast on Apple, iTunes, uh, fucking Spotify, all, all the shit, right? Give them, search them up, uh, YouTube and everything too. As always as well for me and also on Facebook. I mean, like literally every social media platform they're on there. Uh, check them out. They're pretty fucking awesome right and then for me the usual ig twitter uh what's that other one facebook that one too and youtube i guess which i'm gonna start doing some more on there i think in the future but yeah that's it man so it was a long one but i want to thank everybody for sticking around uh i hope it's good too because it's my first time uh recording the way we did with two separate audio files and me having to edit them all together and try to make it sound uh, really good so maybe um you know, if you listen, leave me a comment somewhere. Like, let me know what it sounded like and, uh, you know, if it sounded good. So, uh, again, first time. So be be gentle. But anyway, for the Vinyl Countdown podcast, this is Jeremy Levine. And I hope to be in your ears next week. And uh, that's it. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Okay.